God is good all the time, all the time. Uh, Friday night, <coughs> Brother Doug gave me a call. And of course, 8 o'clock at night, I'm already out of it because I get up at 3 in the morning and go to the gym to work out. And by 6 o'clock, it's kind of, so I'm heading to bed. But he, it was good news. He prayed for me, gave me words of encouragement. And uh, he said, uh, they're just going to be having a good time up there in Vancouver at the convention, up there at the vineyard. And uh, I see him getting filled up, charged up, and revived, coming back. Amen. should be a great Sunday next week. Amen. And also, I'd like to thank Brother Greg last week for his message on worship. It, it, it's something we need to be reminded of constantly to give our worship to the Lord. I'm ready to throw some bowls up this morning. We had those illustrations. But uh, I just uh, thank the worship team this morning for the worship and getting the right atmosphere. I don't know about you. We'll just share a little bit of that in my history. But <clears throat> I went to Rama. Bible Training Center uh, under Brother Hagen. So I got a lot of messages of faith taught me through the years. But then when I graduated in 87, we ended up eventually moving up to Paradise in 88 and, and went to work at uh, Skyway Assembly of God. In fact, there's a young man here, Donovan Padilla. Hey, Donovan. And uh, he was in my youth group. But uh, thank you. I'm glad he's here. And so anyway, uh, I didn't get much of a choice. The pastor says, well, you're our associate pastor. You're going to be a youth pastor. Your wife's going to be the secretary. And guess what? You're leading worship now. <laughs> so what worship experience I had, what little anointing I had, we just trusted the Lord. We went with it. Then after a few years, we started pioneering. And uh, I still had to lead worship. Uh, my wife, she would work on that. We sung the tapes back then. We, we had a piano, at least at, the, at Skyway. But when we started on our own, we just had tapes, and so my wife would fix the overhead up and do that, and I get up there, and she says, you've got to help, help us lead worship, so I get up there and lead worship. My wife would say, you know, at least you can sing the right words when you're leading worship. <laughs> I, would, I get a little off now and then, but I, I prayed a lot in the Spirit, sang a lot in the Spirit back then. Praise the Lord. But also, I just, uh, I thank the Lord for what he's doing. I want to give a little testimony before I get into my... Uh, what the Lord's given to you to preach this morning. But uh, last uh, November, before Thanksgiving, I had a little spot on my back, this side. And I went to the doctor and let her know about it. She says, well, we're going to take a biopsy. We're going to send that in for you. So it comes around December, right before Christmas. She takes a biopsy and says, you know, if, if you hear from me, that means there's something there. If you don't hear from me, then don't worry about it. So here it is, January, middle of January. I never heard anything about it. And I went to finally go see my doctor on a regular visit. And, and um, we're sitting there talking. I said, you ever uh, find the results back? And she goes, well, she goes, it must have been good because, you know, I'm sure they would have told me. Let me call the girls up front to the office. So she calls them up and they bring back the paper. And she's sitting there looking at the paper. And I'm just sitting there at the desk just waiting, you know, for what she's saying. And I just see this kind of look on her face and stare. She turns around and she says, well... Test results came back. It's not very good news. I go, really? She goes, no, it's, it's melanoma. And it's not the good kind, Steve. It's the kind that likes to spread. I said, really? <laughs> she don't know my God. Amen. So anyway, that got the ball rolling. All through February, I was getting prayed. But uh, Brother Doug prayed for me. And then the prayer team, let's be prayed, 
praying chairs, there's healing chairs they're good going to. The healing team prayed over me uh, all through the time in this testing. Then finally uh, they found that it wasn't spreading. They took brain scans, this scans, that scans. And, uh, and so uh, they said, well, Steve, we're just going to, I think we can just take it out of you. You know, we're just going to. So it's just a little, little spot turned in and looked like I've been shark bit on the back. This big old mouth. But anyway, they took it out. And yes, it was trying to trying to spread. So they put me uh, a year in uh, immunotherapy. They don't do chemo anymore on melanoma. So uh, they said we're pretty sure we got it all, but we just want to cover all bases. So I'm in my uh, I was into my fourth when it kind of wipes me out the next day. That's been the only side effect I had. But still, they don't know my God. Amen. My God's a healer. By His stripes, I am healed. Amen. 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 He carried our sorrows. He carried our burden. He carried our sicknesses. So I can claim those words. I can hold on to those words. I can stand on those words in Jesus' name. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word this morning, Lord. Lord, just let your anointing flow, Lord, as freely as it did in worship, Lord. Let it flow through the message, Heavenly Father. Let it touch people's lives. Let us leave here not the same. Let us go from glory to glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles or your phones, let's turn over to Daniel 3. Now, I'm sure this has been preached many times before. In fact, to give a little background, uh, when we were uh, pastoring, pioneering in uh, Paradise, California, uh, there's another church, uh, Dave Gomez, that pastors the Jerusalem Center down in Medford. He, he planted a church down between Orville and... Uh, paradise out there by butte college and so we ended up <coughs> combining the fellowships and going out there and i still had to leave worship uh, <laughs> i sound like the bird so but it wasn't it was fun it was a fun time for me it's just i i just i thank the lord for such a special anointing brother lewis and the rest of the worship leaders here that just things just flow so easy i can just sit back and enjoy and just receive and bless and give it to the lord amen but anyway uh we ended, up, it's, we ended up having church out there and, and on, on a ranch and a racquetball court. And uh, the Lord put on my heart that, you know, I want to I rent a tent. So we, we, we went around, we got this big tent, we rented it, we put it out there on the property. And I invited uh, pastors in the area from Corning, from, you know, Paradise, from Red Bluff, from Lincoln, from Orville. And we just put on a week's services. And uh, there's something about a tent meeting. We put that tent, we borrowed it in an old hay truck. We set the podium and stuff on there. My wife worked on worship teams, and when the pastors that would come to visit, they'd bring their worship team. And it was just, it was, it was such a blessing. And there's something about tent meetings. And I, and I know uh, if Mario Murillo ever gets a tent meeting up at Reading, which I believe eventually will because he likes to go up and down California, I plan on going. Amen, because there's something about anointing. There's something about a, a special anointing in a tent meeting. Not that it's more special to God, but just the expectation, the faith that's motivated. And, and to see God work and see miracles happen, see people saved. It's just such a blessing. And I think everybody, how many has ever been to a tent meeting? Praise the Lord. Right, there's a few of us, hallelujah. I just, and that's what I pray this morning. That just that, that, that unction and that moving of a tent meeting, if you if if you if you allow, if you allow me, uh, it's a sermon that's been preached many times. But I'm just going to preach it a little bit of my flavor, a little bit of my anointing, 
And I believe God's going to bring out some truths. Amen. So if you got your Bible, I believe I told you it's Daniel chapter 3, right? Okay. And uh, we're going to be starting there in verse 13. Again, I give a little history on that. Nebuchadnezzar, he's the king of this time in Daniel. And he has made a decree. He has decreed, his decree is back up in verse 5, but he's decreed. And uh, I made a, uh, this decree. And remember, you know, just that uh, he gone into Israel, Nebuchadnezzar. He went into Israel, he took the finest. He took the finest people. He took the gold. He took, he just kind of plundered the city. And so he took these three Hebrew children we're going to be reading about this morning, took them back to his kingdom. And Nebuchadnezzar made a, he made a decree. He says, whenever you hear the sounds of the instruments of music, that you were to fall down and worship this image that Nebuchadnezzar had erected. For the three Hebrew children, the three young men that refused to bow to this thing. And the truth for the word of God that I want to share this morning is if you don't bow, you won't burn. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a principle. It's a law. If It's a law of compromise. If you compromise, if you bow, you're going to burn. So when we stay in faith, we need to stay on God's word. The devil loves to cause people to compromise. He likes to see churches compromise, individuals compromise. He likes to put the pressure on the body of Christ to back off his word, to stop standing in faith. Amen. And we can see around us today the happening in some of the churches, some of the things we're facing today, this wokeness that enters in and, and uh, to, to, I don't say all believers, but we, we, we have a, 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 not this body of Christ, thank God, but there are churches that are compromising, that are giving in to this woke crowd, giving in to this gender identity where a, where a man can say, oh, I'm going to be a woman, I'm going to go get some sports and take a bunch of gold or, or, uh, or just cha- not accepting the identity that God gave us, male and female. And we have this pushed in uh, public schools and in colleges and stuff. And it's become quite popular. I mean, we had a, uh, I heard this last week on the news that this one congressman was arguing with this, this professor. And she says, oh, yeah, men could get pregnant. <laughs> Where's the science in that? <laughs> Amen. I don't know. And then, and, you know, and, and then some of the churches start accepting that. It's like. Last month we had the gay pride for a, a whole month pushing this, trying to get this, get our acceptance. Now, people, we need to have open arms and love everybody, but that doesn't mean we could justify a sin, especially a, a, an unnatural sexual sin. I know I'm meddling a little bit on, but I know. But then there's, there's just this, and then I see this, just a couple of weeks ago, the, they turn over Roe Ro versus Wade, our Supreme Court, gives it back to the states. You know, we have some politicians that call themselves Christians, but yet they were mad. They wanted to keep abortion. And abortion, they didn't do away with it, but they gave it back to the states to decide. And that's why we need to elect officials that believe in pro-life, because the unborn is precious to God. That is a life. And uh, unfortunately, here in Oregon... We still got abortion up to nine months. And we need to turn that around as believers. We need to stand, not compromise. Stand on the word of God. Hallelujah. Well, I'll, I'll get off that box and we're going to get over to this. <laughs> Amen. 
Thank you, Lord. But uh, we need to apply God's word. The devil, he likes to uh, apply pressure on us when we're standing on God's word, when we're standing in faith, when we're believing God and praying for God to move in our life, to move on a situation. He likes to bring symptoms, I call them, pressure, start getting us, getting us to second guess our prayers and get us over into doubt. Amen. When, when, this, when I found out about the cancer I was, I was trying to get in my body or stay on my body, you know, uh, the enemy just wants to sit there and put a little doubt and get you off God's word so, so you're looking more at the circumstances instead of what God's word says he's going to do. What God's word establishes he's going to do. Amen? They're just symptoms. They're just trying to get your eyes off God's word, get you away from faith, get you away from his word. We need, to, we need God's word in our spirit. We need it in our mind. We need to renew our mind. The word of God says, by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. It says he carried our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. Healing is provided. And we need to settle that in our spirit and not compromise the matter. Why compromise when you know it's how it's going to turn out? I mean, you ask, well, how do you, how do you know you're healed? Do you, do you feel healed? Well, No. I, I, I go by what God's word says. God's word says, by his stripes, I am, I am healed. That's past tense. That healing's already there. So I'm holding on to that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, whether it takes surgery, medicine, or a miracle of God, I know what the results are going to be. I know my healing is there. Psalms 34:19 says, uh, we'll stay there in Daniel, but Psalms 34:19 says, but the Lord delivereth them from them all. Well, why wouldn't he deliver his child? We're his child. Why wouldn't he deliver us? The word says we are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. You and me, we're his righteousness. And then Jesus goes to the Father and says, show them that you love them as much as you love me. We have God's favor. Amen. If you know you're in the right standing with God, there's no need to compromise. Why compromise? Just because the pressure's on. I mean, sometimes it's so heavy that pressure gets on, he's taking his best shot. He's trying to get you to move off that rock, the rock of our salvation, trying to get you to move off that word. You know, in Psalms 34, 19, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Listen, I grew up in, in a church that they like to quote this when they're going through tough times. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, almost giving credit for the affliction. But they forget the rest of that verse in Psalms uh, 34, 19. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but don't stop there. It says, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Not half of them, not three quarters of them. He's going to deliver them from them all in Jesus' name. So, you know, we know how it's going to turn out. Hallelujah. There's no need to compromise. Nebuchadnezzar made a decree. He told everybody around the inhabitants of that land that when you hear the music, you better bow down or you're going to burn. And then there are these three Hebrew children. 
street, pain in the next to him. It absolutely refused to bow, refused to compromise. You know, we have some believers today, they, they're ready to quit over a hangnail when things start getting rough. But we need to be people of God. We need to pray for those, help them stand in faith. Amen. But these guys, these three, they were facing a fiery furnace on their decision, on their stand. Let's read there uh, again. Verse 13, we'll start off. Chapter 3, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. When they brought these men before the king, Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I set up? Now, if you're ready at that time to hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, psaltery, I think I said that right, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music to fall down and worship the image which I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast in that same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God who can deliver you out of my hand? I want you to notice how Nebuchadnezzar reacted. You know, well, the news is that's a perfect example how Satan reacts to a believer when he starts standing on God's word. He gets all flushed. He gets all upset at you. God gives you a promise in his word, and you're standing on it, and he's going to come along and challenge you. He did this to Eve. He said, you surely won't die. He did it to our Savior in the wilderness to see if he'd back off, back down off the word. Here's a tip. Here's a little secret I want you to know. By nature, Satan is a compromiser. He's a compromiser. The same God that spoke in the beginning of time, let there be light, and there was light. He's the same God that said, resist the devil, and he must what? Flee. Flee. Hallelujah. The same creative spoken power they spoke over the universe had already been spoken over the devil. And God says, when they resist you, Satan, you have to flee. So by nature, he's a compromiser. When pressure by God's word is applied, uh, you're applying that pressure to him. And the pressure you apply to him is simple. It is written. It is written. It is written. I mean, put the pressure right back on the devil. Let him know and just watch him flee. Hallelujah. He doesn't have a choice. God says, when my people resist you, you have to flee. Amen. That same creative power that raised Christ from the dead, the same word that created this universe, when people put that against him, he has to leave. He is defeated. Makes standing for God a little bit easier when you're standing in faith. Amen. The same pressure the enemy is applying against faith in God's word, you can apply that pressure on the devil. It is written. It is written. It is written. These three Hebrew young men, they knew their God. They knew how God operated. They knew God and his delivering power. They knew God. And Nebuchadnezzar gave these three Hebrews another shot. He said, if you bow down, good. But if not, you're going to burn. Then he added insult to injury. And he says, and who is that God that's going to deliver you? Nebuchadnezzar was one of the most proudest men in that time that ever walked the earth, that ever lived. 
He thought of himself as a god. I mean, he conquered many nations. He would take their gods. He would take their, their treasures and bring them back. And uh, he thought, you know, look at me. I'm, I'm more powerful than your gods. And then he built, I mean, if you read about history of Babylon, he built three, 300 foot tall walls around Babylon. I mean, you could race uh, eight chariots side by side around that thing is that big. And then, you know, this is palace. And then you, we read in history that, that the gardens of Babylon was one of the seventh wonders of the ancient world. It was so magnificent. He was a very proud man. And he had a palace to match it. But he, again, again, he had these three Hebrew men stand up against his decree. Nebuchadnezzar was a proud man. But you know what? So is the devil. Satan loves praises. He goes around as a roaring lion, the scripture says. Satan is proud to kill, steal, and destroy. And then he loves to hear people blame God for his mess. He takes out his praises. I get them to blame God. Amen? But one of Satan's proudest moments was when he had Jesus on the cross. Jesus cried out, arms stretched wide. He says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, as far as hell was concerned that time, at that moment, they thought they won. Hell thought they had a victory. All of hell was rejoicing at Jesus' crucifixion. It appeared to them that Jesus had failed his mission to redeem mankind. He had failed. Uh, it appeared that Jesus failed and God turned his back on his only son. The devil was being exalted in the region of the damned. He felt he defeated Jesus. He defeated God. They crucified the Lord of glory. But I like what Paul shared to us in Corinthians. He said, if they'd only known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Three days of celebration in hell. But then, on the third day, they were still shouting and celebrating. Something started happening. Something started moving. God the Father proclaimed, Jesus is justified. All of heaven is satisfied. The blood of Jesus has paid the price. God the Father said, it's enough. Let my son go. Glory to God. And I could just see Jesus now. He turned around, walked over to Satan, take the crown off his head that was there by Adam. Then he took all his armor off of him that he thought that could protect him. Then the last thing he went did is went over there and he snatched the keys of hell and death itself from Satan. He made a show of them, the scripture says, triumphantly, openly. Oh, man. I can't wait to get to heaven. I imagine there's going to be, we get to see that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. No more rejoicing. It got suddenly quiet. And that's the way it is when we start quoting the word of God. The enemy gets quiet. Why compromise? When the pressure is highest, that means he's taken his best shot. He's defeated, hallelujah. We don't have to bow. We don't have to compromise. Our God is able to deliver us. When God is on your side, that's all you need. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 
no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made up their mind. They weren't weren't, going to bow down. They knew God was able to deliver them. Nebuchadnezzar said, you know, boys, I've given you one more chance. He says, no one's ever talked to me that way. I don't like being talked to that way. My wrath is kindled against you, but I'm going to give you one more chance. Let's go back here on verse 16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. Not going to, says, they said he will. O king, but even if he does not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, verse 19, and the form of his visage, visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spoke and commanded that they should heat up the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded the most mighty men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their trousers and their coats and their hats and in their other garments and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God's already working. <laughs> it's so hot, it killed the guys that are throwing them in there. Glory to God. Okay. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Verse 24, the Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste and spoke and said to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men loose and walking in the midst of the fire. They are unharmed, and the form of the fourth man is like the Son of God. I like that. Amen. I mean, I see Nebuchadnezzar get frustrated. Didn't we? Didn't we throw three men in there? And they all said, "Of course, they're going to tell the king." Yeah, king. Yeah, we threw three men in there. They're a bunch of yes men. And then he said, well, "Wait a minute. I, I see a fourth person in there." Okay, let's read verse twenty-five. He answered and said, "But I see four men loose." walking in the midst of the fire, and they are unharmed. The form of the fourth is like the Son of God. These three Hebrew men didn't bow. They didn't burn. They didn't compromise. And the fourth man showed up. They refused to compromise God's word. They refused to worship any other God. They stood in their covenant to Jehovah. They would not bow to any other God but Jehovah himself. And because they did not bow or compromise, the fourth man showed up and caused the fire to have no power. Amen. This is where I get excited. I'm going to start telling you about that fourth man. We'll tell you who he is. In Genesis, he is the seed of a woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day. And the pillar of fire by night. 
In Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kingsman. In First and Second Samuel, he is the trusted prophet. In First, King, First and Second Kings and Chronicles, he is our reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's a rebuilder of life. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he is our ever-living redeemer. Who is this fourth man? In Psalms, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he is our lover and bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is our prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the righteous branch. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Lamentation, he is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is a wheel and a wheel. In Daniel, he is a fourth man. Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who he is. In Isaiah, he is the faithful husband. In Joel, he is the baptizer of the Holy Ghost. In Amos, he is the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is the mighty crusader. In Micah, he's a messenger of peace with a beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist. In Zephaniah, he is the savior. In Haggai, or Haggai, how do you pronounce it? He is our restorer. In Zechariah, he is the fountain. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. Amen. Who is this fourth man? In Matthew, he is the Messiah. In Mark, he is a wonder worker. In Luke, he is the son of man. And in John, he is the son of God. In Romans, he is the justifier. I mean, in Acts, he is the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he is the justifier. In 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he is a sanctifier. In Galatians, he is a redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he is a Christ with unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he is a God that supplies all our needs. In Colossians, he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he is a soon and coming king. In 1st and 2nd Timothy, he is our mediator between God and man. In Titus, he is our faithful pastor. In Philemon, he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Who is this fourth man? In Hebrews, he is the blood of an everlasting covenant. In James, he is our great physician. In first and second Peter, he is the chief shepherd. In first, second, third John, he is love. In Jude, he is the Lord's coming with ten thousand angels. Hallelujah. And in Revelations, hallelujah. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Who is this fourth man? He's Abel's sacrifice. He's Noah's rainbow. He's Isaac's well. He's Jacob's scepter. He's Moses' rod. He's Joshua's sun and moon that stood still. He's Elijah and Elisha's mantle and staff. He's Gideon's fleece. He's Samuel's horn of oil. He's David's slingshot. Hallelujah. He's Hezekiah's sundial. He's Daniel's vision. Who is this fourth man? He's Peter's shadow. He's Stephen's signs and wonders. He's Paul's handkerchief. Who is this fourth man? He is the father to the orphan, a husband to the widow. He is the bright morning star. He is the lily of the valley. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the king of glory. He is a rock in a weary land. He is the cup that runneth over. 
Who is this fourth man? He's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. That's something to shout about. Why compromise? Why burn? Amen. Son of a living God, our Savior. If Jesus ain't enough to get you through that problem, I hate to tell you, that's, all, that's the best heaven's got. And that's all we need. Hallelujah. Jesus of Nazareth, Son of a living God. He will always be there, brothers and sisters. We need to refuse to bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were freer in the fire than they were before they went in. In closing, let's jump back here to Daniel chapter 3, verse 26 through the end. It says, Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The officials, the governors, the captains, the king of counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was the hair on their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor had they smell of fire even come upon them. Verse 28, the Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His servants who trusted in him, I mean, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. Then they have defiled, defied the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every man, every people, nation, language, which speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be cut into pieces, and their house shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God who can deliver this way. In the last verse, hallelujah, it says, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Hallelujah. Not only he's going to see you through it, but he'll promote you in front of your enemies. That's victory. Why bow? Why should we have to burn? The fourth man is there, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can y'all stand, please? All heads bowed. There'd be something here this morning that says, I know most everybody here knows the Lord, but for say there might be someone. Well, I know Jesus, but if I died, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. Also, I'd like to invite anybody here. This church is charismatic and spirit-filled. And I believe if you want to be baptized this morning in the Holy Ghost, I mean, the Holy Ghost comes in you when you get saved. It's like drinking that water. It's a whole different thing to be baptized in the Spirit. That means you're jumping in the water. That water is all around you. That water is overtaking you. Amen. The Lord will give you a prayer language, and I depend on that prayer language so much to get me through times of trouble, to get me through struggles, to know that just you and the Holy Spirit give an utterance that my mind can't even understand, but I know it's praying the perfect will of the Father to heaven. If you want that this morning, I'd like to see your hands. I could pray for you about that. Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. And last, if there'd be someone here that didn't make it to the praying chairs that might need a healing 
that might need financial help, that might need to be standing in for someone that needs that financial or needs healing. So I'd like to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for your anointing that's on your word. Not on me, Lord, but on your word, Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that if your word wins out, Lord, that it changes lives. Lord, that we not leave here the same, Lord. Lord, that we can bless someone else this week, Lord, and be a blessing to others, Heavenly Father. That we walk in faith. We walk in the Spirit. We make our ears to you, Lord, and fine-tune it, Heavenly Father. We hear from heaven. Lord, let his kingdom be established here on earth, Lord, here amongst us, Lord, daily, daily. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Lord. God is good. Uh, I hope I didn't preach too long. I didn't, I didn't time myself, but... <laughs> In the old days, I thought I had to, when we taped messages, I thought I had to fill up a 60-minute tape. My wife goes, it's too long, honey. It's too long. (laughs) 